Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Stories, where we get to interview authors from all over the world. And today's a special one. I know him very well. We helped with his book, Command Your Brand. It became a bestseller last week when it hit the uh, Amazon airwaves. Grow your impact, income, and influence in a new media landscape. Now, he believes, like I do, that podcasting will change your life. And there's a great quote in his book that says, a podcast is a great way to develop relationships with hard-to-reach people. And that is by Tim Page. Jeremy Ryan Slate, thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm stoked to, to finally be on your show. Well, what is the genesis of this book? I mean, you could tell us basically how it all began and uh, how it led to this point, but you have interviewed some of the biggest names. You are now being a guest on some of the biggest shows. Uh, podcasting will put you in touch, like you said, with very hard to reach people. And I didn't realize that until we started talking. So where did it all begin? So for me, um, if you're looking at where the book began, um, I had written another book called Unremarkable to Extraordinary. And it's kind of like a lot of the lessons and things like that, that I've learned through all the years. And, you know, I've had a podcast. Today is actually my eighth anniversary. Uh, it's been eight years that wow. I've been hosting a podcast. <clears throat> and I put together that book to really kind of distill a lot of the knowledge that I had. And I was actually having a conversation with you one day and you're like, hey, that's a great book, but why didn't you write a podcasting book? <laughs> um, and, and, and actually the genesis of the book is a bunch of conversations with you pushing me that I should be writing a book. <laughs> um, so, so, so it's, you know, there's kind of no in-depth, I discovered my spiritual chi and the book came out. It was, I had a book, it, it did well, but it wasn't like what our brand was looking for. And you're like, you need to write the podcast PR book. And, and here it is. It's the greatest lead magnet. And uh, what I believe is the uh, the main reason why a uh, podcast works is because you are serving before asking. When yes. you give a guest a platform to share their knowledge, their stories with the world, it's not an ask. It's a give. And that individual really appreciates that. And while that's happening, like you say in the book, it's establishing a relationship. And as Tony Robbins always says, the quality of your life is based off of two things, quality of thoughts and quality of relationships. And with a podcast, you can build relationships all over the world very fast. So is that the main uh, takeaway from podcasting that you're serving before asking? I think so. And I think a lot of people get that wrong, Mike. And I will tell you, those are the people that don't do well on a podcast. They kind of show up and I don't know how to describe it other than they get on there and it's kind of like, do me, baby. Like that's what, <laughs> how they look at a podcast. They, like, You know what I mean? Like they get on and they just like, they're going to get on this show. And because this show is magical, they're just going to get all these leads and it's going to be life-changing. All these things are going to happen. And the thing that they forget is to bring that giving to the podcast. Like be somebody there to teach, be somebody there to educate, be somebody there to help. And we had two clients a number of years ago that went on the exact same podcast. Um, the first one, <clears throat> we literally were just talking about this this morning in our staff meeting. He is like the coolest guy. Like he's not a client anymore, but we still book his podcast because we made him so successful. He's like, this is great. I'm just going to have my own podcast and keep doing this now. Um, but he went on a podcast that was in the health space and he sold $60,000 of a $19 aloe product. So this guy showed up to like be the host friend, service as much as he could, teach as much as he could. And then at the end, he's like, oh yeah, and we have this product that you should come get. Like it wasn't like this heavy pitch. It was just like, he taught so much that people are like, whatever this guy has to sell, I, I need to go buy it because he's helped me so much. We had another client that went on the exact same podcast and 
he said it was the worst podcast he'd ever been on and the host was terrible and the conversation wasn't very good and it was a waste of his time and he could have been seeing patients during that time. Um, this guy didn't finish his campaign because we said, please take your money back and go away. Um, <laughs> but that is the difference. It like You can be on the best podcast ever, the most targeted podcast ever, but if you don't bring the right viewpoint and educate, it's not going to go well. Like This isn't an infomercial. We're not selling sham wows here. But I think some people have this idea that you have 60 minutes to just pitch, 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 pitch. And if you don't add value, people don't want to receive your pitch. They're going to shut you off. And I think that's the biggest thing you have to look at in podcasting. Well, another part of it is, is that it's such a self-development tool. Uh, Whenever I first started podcasting, it was just me in front of a camera. And I don't think anybody was listening, but it wasn't really for them. It was for me to become more articulate and get my thoughts more clear for the audience. So whenever I was a guest, it was presented uh, properly. And so have you noticed that, that it, the people you work with almost evolve rapidly from one show to the next, and it just becomes this addiction, these dopamine hits that, wow, you are a different person a year from now uh, as compared to who you were a year ago. So um, tell us a little bit about the self-development journey that is basically built in with the uh, podcasting uh, adventure. Well, I can kind of give you two sides of this, right? I can give you the first side, which is my personal experience. You know, I came into podcasting. Um, my show is an audio only podcast to start with, frankly, because I was afraid to be in front of other people. Like I was terrified to be in front of other people. So I was actually a high school teacher for a couple of years after I got my master's. And I would get up there and I have like a hundred slides and I'd be like going through those and reading off the slides exactly because that was what we were going to cover that day. And if I ran out of slides, man, I was so screwed. So like, like to me, like I needed that thing to be able to feel structured and having a podcast, like number one, I started an audio only show because I did not like being on camera. I was terrified of being on camera and it just was more conversations, more conversations, more conversations. And what I found is I could have more conversations than outside of the podcast. Like my actual communication got better because I was consistently doing this again and again and again. And I was somebody that I never really saw myself like speaking in front of people. Like, dude, I've spoken all over North America, South America, Europe, Asia. Um, I just spoke to 3,000 people in, in Thailand a couple months ago. Like that is not something I could have seen myself doing, but it's because I was able to just practice, 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 get better, get better, get better, have more conversations. And for me, podcasting has totally changed my ability to communicate. Mm. So that's kind of my side of it. Like I've went from kind of somebody that was terrified to be in front of camera to like on stages speaking in front of thousands of people and and really like having a great time doing it. Like I really enjoy that experience. When you look at clients, I think the one thing that is different is when people are coming to us, they already have a business that's doing really well. They already have some media. They already have some experience. But what they're looking for is they're looking for the right reach, but they're also looking for kind of getting more familiar with how they should be talking. And I think that's a big thing we help people with because people are like, oh, you just book people on podcasts. Well, (laughs) to get started with us, our onboarding process, we actually charge people close to three grand just to onboard. Hmm. And the reason is, is we're getting down like, what are the things that you need to keep repeating? What are the stories you need to keep telling? How do you need to communicate? Those things are actually so vital. And what we get people telling us throughout this process is the more podcasts I go on, the more certain I am on what I should be communicating and how I should be communicating it. So it's not just that people have you know gotten more reach and they've established their brand, 
by the time they're done with a year program, like they've become concrete on what it is they're communicating and how they need to communicate it. Like it's dynamically changed them. And I think to me, that's the really cool thing. Yeah. Another part of it is, is that when you do a podcast, you have the ability to go back and listen to it and you can see where it kind of goes off its rails. You could see what falls flat and you can refine it. Whenever I would go and speak at certain events, I would listen to certain podcasts and say, man, how could I say that in five words instead of 10 words? Where mm. can I really elaborate on that? Oh, that sounds good. But what can I do a little bit differently on the stage? And it's almost like programming your brain on what to relay to the audience. So what a great tool for speeches. And the more you do podcasts, the more speeches you will be invited to do. Is that right? That's true. And I think the thing I'll say, too, is I think you get more like you get so familiar with your own content that when I started speaking, I was so um, focused on like what was behind me, meaning like, you know, was it a slide? Was it something that was going to help me keep my place? Whatever it was, where now like that's just kind of an afterthought. Like, yeah, I guess I should throw something up there because so people can see it. But I've become so certain about my own content that I'm able to communicate that. And the thing you'll see is one of the biggest hesitations for people that are booking events, meaning they're booking speakers for events, is they want to see that you can communicate and deliver. And that's another big thing for actually like getting on television and things like that. They want to see how do you perform in video? How do you perform in a conversation? And it's very hard to get some of those things without media placements of you delivering. And I think in podcasting, the thing that's really interesting is these conversations are so long that number one, you have to get really good at those conversations. But number two, if you suck, it's really hard to hide it, right? Because it, it is, it's a long form thing. Like a lot of people when they're on TV, it's like three to five minutes. If you can keep it together for three to five minutes, you're in good shape. But it, for a podcast, you have to keep it together for 30 minutes, 60 minutes. If you're on the Joe Rogan experience, sometimes two to three hours. So like you really have to be able to show up so when, you know, a, a meeting booker that's booking speakers sees this, they're like, okay, cool. I want that guy. That person is great off the cuff. Or when somebody that is looking for, you know, maybe they've they've done a call for speakers and they're looking for somebody for like a, a television source, they say, okay, cool. I've seen this person on camera and they're great. Like people don't realize, like, even if nobody was listening, just having those samples, how valuable they are for getting those other things. An individual reached out to me and asked me if I knew anybody who would want to be a part of a documentary. And one of the things that he was looking for was somebody who was very well polished on camera. And Lo it looks good in the bookman suit. Looks good in the bookman suit, of course. <laughs> Drives a bookmobile, has a book suit, all that. Uh, and, and I thought about all the people who are doing a lot of podcasts first. That's pretty much the, the starting point. And mm -hmm. polished. I'm glad you bring that up. This is crucial for anybody out there listening. You need to become polished as fast as possible. And the fastest, the most efficient and inexpensive way to do that is through podcasts. So that is very, very crucial. Um, but one thing I want to get into, and you are a big fan of this as I am, legacy media is dying. And we yes. have the ability to take back a lot of power right now. And with the uh, invention of podcasting, Spotify, the rumbles out there, you now have multiple sources that you can go to keeping us free. So legacy media is dying. It's a great thing. What are you noticing out there? Are people being drawn to podcasts? Are stats going up? Are people listening more than watching? What's happening out there? So it's changed a lot over the years. So, you know, I've been in this game since 2014. So I've seen the world change dramatically over that period of time. And I think what you're seeing is you're seeing, you know, people used to get 
you know, watch the seven o'clock news or they get ready to watch a brand new TV show at eight o'clock. And unless the Packers are on, man, I am not planning to watch anything at a certain time. That's about it. And that's what you're seeing with the user. The user wants to decide when they do something. You know, that's why Netflix is popular. That's why podcasting is popular. That's why um, Prime is popular because people want to be able to sit down and say, at this certain time, this is when I demand that I'm watching this. And that is what is different versus podcasting versus legacy media. They still want to tell you it's scheduled for this time. You need to be here, whatever it is. And then you've seen them as well try to take their model and put it in the podcasting. And you've seen like NPR and a lot of these other things. Um, and I don't know if you know, do you know who Adam Curry is? Adam Curry. No, don't think so. He, he is the pod father. He invented the medium of podcasting. You brought this um, guy up before. Okay. Yes. And uh, so he he actually likes to make fun of companies like NPR and stuff like that, because what they try to do is for a podcast, it costs them like over a million bucks to make an episode because they try to use everything they would use to produce a television show. And that's just not how podcasting is created. So they've tried to bring in the old standard of doing things, including their old standards for advertising and things like that. And it just has not done well. I think NPR recently, they cut a lot of podcasts because they couldn't make them profitable. Well, because they're not doing podcasting the way podcasting is meant to be done. It's supposed to be driven by the audience, not forced upon them. And I think that's what legacy media has done. They've wanted to tell you, this is what you're consuming. This is what you're going to have. And what we see in podcasting is if a show is doing well because people are listening to it, it's going to continue. And the host is going to figure out how to monetize that. It could be with partnerships. It could be with advertising, whatever it may be. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of the big brands not really doing so well, and they're not knowing what to do. But what we are seeing is individual creators like Joe Rogan, like people like that really doing well because people are now buying into those personal brands. Um, something I'll tell you as well, Mike, is when this when I started in 2014, it was like, 20% were doing video. Um, number one, because it was really expensive and it wasn't as cost efficient. Number two, it's really hard. And also the platforms weren't really built for such a way to like contain it, right? Like Spotify couldn't do, didn't even exist yet and, and couldn't do video and things like that. What we're seeing now is the cost has come down so much that a lot more people are doing video. It's also become more obta obtainable. Um, YouTube has, has recently added podcast playlists. Um, the end of this year, they're actually going to add subscribable RSS feeds, uh, meaning you can subscribe to a podcast on YouTube just like you subscribe on another app. That's going to be a game changer. And that's coming wow. in December. Um, so what we're seeing is they're pushing heavily on video. Now, here's the thing you got to worry about. Um, if you talk about anything having to do with the medical industry and it is not approved by the CDC, good luck on YouTube, man. I have uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough just uh, emailed me last week. And he's like, hey, I'd love to come back on the show. And I'm like, well, doctor, this is a, a rumble only episode. Um, and I think that's <laughs> why it's important because like I have a lot of friends that say, you know, I've been banned on YouTube and I've been banned on this and I've been banned on what that. And here's the thing I'll say is YouTube is great for discoverability. There is no better platform for getting found than YouTube. So to me to say, I'm just going to stand up to the man, give him the finger and put my content on YouTube that I know is going to get banned on YouTube. That's stupid. So what you do is you use the platform for what it is, right? Like I know what I can and can't say on YouTube for the most part. Like we did yeah. get in trouble recently and I didn't think I did anything wrong. But for the most part, I know what I can and can't say on YouTube. So those episodes go on YouTube. Now, my other episodes that I'm worried about, those go on Rumble, right? Because I still want to talk about those things. Those things are still important to me. But YouTube is the thing I can actually grow my audience with a lot easier with Rumble. Rumble is easier if you already come to it with an established audience. It's much, much harder to get found if you're not doing a live stream every day, which I don't like doing. Um, or you're not coming with an established audience. So to me, 
video is heavily where we're going. Focus on YouTube, but understand what you kind of can't say there. Because I know right now, YouTube just did a deal with the, um, wasn't the, what's the international one? It's not the CDC. It's the, um, mm. the Centers for Disease Controls is, is, uh, is, is US-based. But what's the, the, it's not a UN body, but it's a similar idea. Um, uh, anyway. But it's medical- WHO, World Health yeah. Organization. So they actually oh, yes. just did a deal. I was say WEF, another bad one. There you go. No, no, they, they just did a deal with YouTube that now, if you are not approved by the World Health Organization, your content will be either number one banned or penalized. So that's a really big problem for health topics. So right now, like we're not even really like for our production programs, I'm not even really taking on health topics because I don't know what's happening with that right now. But use the platform for what it's worth and have a backup, man, because you need to be in video. It is what people want right now. You talk about commanding your brand, and I believe it's such a tool that you need in your personal brand repertoire. So uh, the reason why is because, yes, you have long form, but it can be cut up in these little clips and put on every reel, Facebook, YouTube, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, simply because individuals who do not know anything about you will maybe digest it in these bite-sized chunks, but not in one-minute clips. So is that where you recommend people begin? Yes, create the podcast, but multi-purpose it in a way where you utilize these platforms to just get this 15-second clip in front of them. And if they like it, they watch it, they like it and comment, and then that will lead them to potentially the full episode or back to your website. Uh, I just think that that's where the world is going. Yes, video, but very, very small uh, size format, 15, 20 second limits, if you will. Well, so I guess there's a couple of things to say to this. Like, like number one, um, if you look at YouTube specifically, like YouTube is actually really pushing shorts hard right now. Right. Um, and a lot of other platforms are pushing like TikTok type of content hard. Um because there's been a lot of talk in Congress about like, you know, will there be legislation against TikTok? So a lot of these different platforms have been trying to grab that real estate and the chance that it does change. You know, what's funny is um, domestic social media takes your data probably even more than the Chinese government does. But so our, our government's kind of like, well, we don't want any competition. Um, but needless to say, there is a lot of legislation going around on that. So these platforms are actually focusing on that, right? So they're the number one things hitting the algorithm. And it's a great doorway in for people to find your content because people have a short attention span. Right. So we're usually, uh, it depends on the episode, but we're usually doing like three shorts a day on YouTube. And it's one of the number one ways we're driving people into our new content, um, especially since uh, we, we we got in trouble recently on YouTube <laughs> and we've been having, our main content has slowed down, but our shorts are doing really, really well. Um, so that's, that's the thing I would say is you need to be really doing bite-sized things. Now, I want to go back to a, like a viewpoint thing on things, which is interesting because I talk about people's point of view a lot. And it actually, since it's kind of primary to everything you do, it matters a lot. And when you look at media placements or podcasts, whatever it may be, people have this idea they want things to happen to them because they were on the show or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So when you look at any media placement or a podcast, whatever it is, there's two parts to it. There's the placement that you get it. So like I was on the podcast, it was great, whatever. Then there's what you do with it, right? You have to be effective with it, not effect of it. Everybody wants to be effect of it. Like, oh, I was on the show and this happens to me. That's what I was talking about before. It's like, you know, do me, baby. Like they want to be on the show and things happen to them because of that. You want to be effective with your media placement. It's not effective, you know, effect of it. So when you be effective with it, you say, okay, cool. How can I chop this up? How can I get seen? How can I get it in front of people? And that's how you need to be looking at it. 
the viewpoint needs to change dramatically. Because I think a lot of people have this false idea about podcasting or media or whatever it is. I'm going to get the show. I'm going to build it up and I'm going to make Joe Rogan money, baby. Um, you know, don't want to be rude, but you're probably not as interesting as Joe Rogan. I know I'm not. Um, and what the idea is, you're going to create something that's going to connect you to the right people. It's probably going to get some traffic. Hey, maybe you're going to get lucky enough. You can make money directly off of it. But actually, this is your hub to connect you with people you want to be connected to, bring in very qualified people to talk to and work with, and also brand yourself and add your credibility. But I think a lot of times people think like, I hear this so often, Mike, where people are like, all right, I'm ready to monetize my podcast. And it's kind of like, well, why weren't you thinking about that all along? Like this should have been like the storefront for the business you're already running, not just an entity that you're you're propping up and it's time to turn the faucet on. It doesn't work like that. I look at this as like the 2023 version of Napoleon Hill's mastermind. I don't mm. need to have all the answers, but I can bring people on the show that have the answers and they are the ones that make it interesting for the listeners or the viewers. So that's beautiful for everyday Joes like myself where maybe I wasn't born with all the resources or having access to people. But if I have an internet connection, a decent camera and a good microphone, I could find these people and um, yeah. I could get them on a call and I can have them provide my listeners and viewers with entertainment. And is that the, is that the uh, other side of the podcasting world that you pitch to people? Like, listen, yeah, maybe you don't have an interesting story. Maybe you don't have a successful business, but if you can find people that have a story, a message and solutions for the world, and you just be the conduit, now you are valuable. And what happens is it's like a halo effect, I think is what they call it, where it just rubs off on you. If you're yes. around enough interesting people, individuals will start looking at you as the interesting one. So is that what you know? Well, in, also? in branding, that's called positioning, right? Like that, that's called positioning. So like um, there's kind of something people say a lot and I absolutely hate it, but it makes sense. You know, when they're trying to explain their 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 business, they're like, well, we're the Uber of blank. Like you're taking something people are already familiar with and you're comparing yourself for or against it, right? So people are familiar with this. So now they're going to be more familiar with you if that thing has good positioning, right? You're positioning yourself with that. And what happens is when you're having these conversations, people have most likely heard of your guests if you're really reaching. Like I think I think a lot of people don't reach enough, right? They're just like, oh, I'm not able to get that person. You'd be surprised some of the people you could get if you reached. Mm -hmm. um, but when you reach, you're actually getting positioning every time you sit down with these conversations especially if you're on video. And that's where video is really valuable because you're seen sitting next to that person. So to me, you're getting positioning every time you do an interview, whether you even say nothing at all. And that is the most valuable thing is number one, you're going to get smarter because you're having conversations which are in the realm that you should be having them in. So you're going to keep gaining information every time you have a conversation, but also you're getting positioning every single time. Like, oh, that's the guy that did the book for blank or, oh, that's the guy that helped you know, such and such write a book, or that's the guy that that launched Vic Tipness's book, whatever it may be. Like that's how you that's what actual positioning looks like. Yeah. And so when you talk about influence in your book, I think individuals out there, they want the money, they want the speeches, they want the attention, and they have no breadcrumbs behind them. So would you say that the biggest issue is that people are just have no patience or they haven't built themselves up to a point where they are the magnet, right? They're attracting mm. opportunities. Uh, I just think when it comes to a, writing a book, you are automatically establish, establishing yourself as the authority in the space. And I think if I Google you and I see that you're on a hundred podcasts talking about the exact same thing, 
in my mind, I check a box that you are the expert, you're committed, and you are uh, clear on who you are and where you're going. So I'm going to say, yes, that person is an expert. And is that what you preach to people? Listen, you have zero breadcrumbs behind your name that you are the expert in this field. So we need to get you on a lot of podcasts. Therefore, you are Google friendly. People see you as the expert. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you're not chasing opportunities. Opportunities begin to chase you. I think that's mm -hmm. probably something you preach and it's probably in your book. But uh, can you elaborate on that? Well, I think that's one of the number one things that shows you whether somebody's going to succeed or fail because the conversation we end up having is a lot of times people will come to us with like, I want these dream shows. You know, I can probably list off the ones you think they're going to be. Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, Patrick Bet David, Patrick Bet David. There's like five podcasts everybody in the world wants to be on. So then we have the conversation of, is this about vanity or impact? And a lot of times you find out it's about vanity. They just want their friends to see them talking to Joe Rogan, right? Like it's it's really what it ends up being about. And I think people have to understand the value in niche audiences. Like in being in front of the correct audience that can actually use and apply what you're talking about is where people are going to win. And I will tell you, if people cannot make that viewpoint shift, it's just not going to go as well because you we do get people that come in. And I don't know if it's because of the ads they've seen or how their life has been or whatever it may be, but they seem to think that like podcasting and media is like a buffet. Like, all right, I'll take one of those, take one of those, take one of those, take one of those. And it's not, man. It's about like actually like stair-stepping, like, okay, getting some good tier one placements, good. Getting some good tier two placements, good. Okay, now going national, going, you know, hyper-national, going international. Like it's actually like, kind of a stair step rather than elevator. And I think when people can't understand that, it is none of the number one things that stops their growth in media because they want to start at the top and you can't. You cannot, unless you commit a crime, then you're going to start at the top because everybody's going to know your name. Um, <laughs> I like to say I only use my uh, my middle name because my parents named me after an actor. Otherwise, the only people that use three names are serial killers. Um <laughs> Or uh, or assassins of some of some type, but frankly, that's the only way you're going to jump to the top, man. Is if you've done something very wrong. But you have to actually build credibility and build a base. And if you're going to do that, and you're going to commit to that for a year, for most people, they can change the game in a year. But the problem is they want to do it in 30 days, 90 days, 60 days, and that cannot be done. It cannot be done unless you are the single person that grabs a lightning bolt and it happens for you. I'm not going to say it 100% cannot be done because there are people that stumble on it and, and it happens. But if you can commit to it for a year, you can actually change, you know, the ecosystem out there. We uh, both both of us, we are both big believers in AI and uh, where this world is going. And the way I look at it is every podcast is a digital asset and this digital asset will uh, become valuable in an AI world where it's going to duplicate you and replicate you and potentially make your life a little bit more free building maybe blogs or books or certain other digital forms based off of what you've created in the past. Um, unless they unless they make you eat the bugs. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> where do you see it going? What's happening out there? I know that with AI, we are doing audiobooks and it is really close to the person's voice, really close, if not spot on. So I believe the more digital assets that you create out there, the better, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you want to reach the many and serve the many for service to the many leads to greatness, as Jim Rohn says. So where do you see it going and is it a good thing? Well, it's good and it's bad, right? Because I don't want an AI like sounding like me saying things that I didn't say and getting right. me in trouble. <laughs> that's one That's one part of it. Um, the other part of it is though, like 
um, the audio book that we pumped out, like you got me to use, I think it was 11 labs Amazing. and we pumped out an audio book in like a couple hours, like, and it was just done and submitted to submitted to audible and approved in like four days. So it was like pretty incredible to get that product very quickly. Cause that can be much of a, you know, a really big process. So the thing that I think is interesting is the thing that does concern me is intellectual property, right? I am concerned about that. So I, I know there's not really a solution on that yet, but the thing that's exciting is like, even in our processes in our company, like dude, for podcast editing, I'm getting a better product than I've ever gotten before. And I've cut 80% of the time out because yep. we figured out how to use different AI tools to do that. So I think for efficiency, AI is incredible. I think for people saying AI is going to take your job, I really don't see it. What I do see is the people that embrace it and learn how to get more efficient are going to be more productive and do better. Um, but I think if you look at even how the industrial revolution happened, you know, there are a lot of people that lost their jobs during the industrial revolution because of how things work. But guess what? It created other industries. And I think that's what we have to think about is just because one industry changes, disappears or shrinks, it doesn't mean that those jobs disappear. It means that those people that win because of those things are now going to create new industries and new jobs. So I think it's the people that learn how to be more efficient and are going to do well with it. The ones that are going to be lazy are not going to do so well. There was a lawyer, and I forget what state, that got disbarred because they tried to use ChatGPT to go over case law. Well, ChatGPT didn't have up-to-date case law and didn't know the answer, so it made it up. And the judge was like, these cases don't exist. What are you doing? And the lawyer ended up getting disbarred. So there's still going to be lazy people out there, man, trust me. But I think it's the people that learn how to use um, you know, things like ChatGPT and 11 Labs and MidJourney and learn how to be more efficient and also have a little bit of fun. Like I asked Midjourney last night when I was sitting on my couch, I said, make me um, make me an image of Donald Trump as Captain America. It was pretty <laughs> I saw cool. That. I, was pretty, I, was, I was pretty happy with, with that. And people said that that definitely isn't real. I was like, obviously, Donald Trump does not have abs. Um, but like, you know, I think there's also a little fun involved, too. And you bring up a good point there, too. I, I, I think that you can sense if someone's having fun with their brand. Uh, simply by the podcast they're on and what they're talking about. And, uh, you know, there are people who are born for this. And if I hear the excitement in your voice and the way you tell the story and you captivate me, I want to do business with you. And yes. so having fun with every podcast that you're on and every piece of content you put out there is a crucial piece to this journey because there is no finish line in entrepreneurship. And uh, I would assume that you've worked with so many people. There are some people who are just, it's like pulling teeth, but there are some that are just natural and maybe it's just a gift to work with them. So can you tell us a little bit about how important it is to enjoy this process from going from podcast to podcast? I don't know if I would say people are necessarily naturals, but I think it's a willingness to learn and a willingness to improve and to understand the process. I think a lot of times, and that goes for anything, that's not even outside of what we do. I think it's when people try to shortcut the process and don't wanna go through the process. Many times if a process is good, it's transformational, right? Like you become somebody better or different on the other side of it. And it's the same thing with, with how we work with clients. They come out different on the other side and improved. And I think when you when you look at it, those are the people that do well. If they can't learn how to do that, they're, they're not going to succeed. But I, I'm sure, Mike, if you talk to them, they have a lot of areas in their life that are like that because they're not willing to surrender to a process. And that's what I, uh, one of the, the big points I talked about um, in my, my previous book, Unremarkable to Extraordinary, is you know people look at adversity and a lot of people are going to shy away from it. 
but adversity in itself and by its essence is transformational. You know, it's like a blacksmith's furnace. You put in wrought iron and it comes out like something incredible that's been hammered and changed and whatever. That's what a good process is, is you're becoming improved and becoming better. You're going through kind of, you know, the fire and the flames, um, uh, to quote a really incredible metal song, um, to, to, to come out the other side, you know, even better. Podcasting, much like the entire world of entrepreneurship, is a journey of transformation. And uh, yes. that's crucial there, for sure. Uh, you've interviewed and worked with some of the biggest names. Uh, I believe you have the largest podcast agency that I know of personally. Um, so is there a tip that you can provide to our listeners on how to get good guests or maybe even to be booked as a guest? What would you recommend to anybody listening? I would say the number one thing, surprisingly, is making yourself look media ready. So that has to do with like how your brand is is put out in social media. Like, are your images good? Is your copy good? Um, do you have good engagement? Like when somebody goes to your website, is your website copy written in third person? Now, what that means, like, is somebody else talking about you? Wow. I I, I, I don't I don't see um, we actually have trouble booking people that all their website copy is written in first person because important people don't talk about themselves. Other people do. And um, having your website copy written in third person is actually a very useful thing. Um, do you have a media page in your site where people can actually see other media placements you've had? So like to me, the biggest thing that makes you more media ready is having a lot of these assets and having your brand positioned in the right way. That's kind of the first step. Um, when you're reaching out, it's it's the estimation of effort. A lot of times people think it's going to take a little bit of work when it's going to take a lot of work. So I would think like you need to estimate the right level of effort. Um, and also realize like, you got to stick to it for a while, man. Like it's going to be pitching for a while to get what you want. The first person I reached out to when I started my podcast was Seth Godin. And he's like, oh, congratulations with your, your new podcast. That sounds great. Good luck to you. Uh, when you get to 400, shoot me an email back. And I think he's just kind of being a wise ass on this. When you get to 400, let me know, you know, shoot me an email back and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule it. So when I got to 390. I was like, Seth, I'm still alive. Uh, let's do 400. And he was episode 400. So I think like, it is that consistency. And also like, I'm very regimented. So like when I'm, when we're doing reach out for me as a guest, there's a spreadsheet that has every single thing dated, every single response that was said, because you need to be in communication with that person. Uh, when we're reaching out for guests for my show, we're tracking that as well. When was the last time it was done? What was the last thing I said? A lot of times you get people that are just blasting stuff out. They're not tracking it. They're not paying attention to it. They're not monitoring it. And a lot of those basics in show you how things are going and actually keep you consistent and accountable to the process. I was thinking about it last night. Uh, one thing that makes the difference between a successful entrepreneur and somebody who just you know can't get off the ground is some people decide what they can do today, but it's not what you can do today. It's what you can do today and every day for at least five years straight. That is yes. the, what makes or breaks you, man. And that's, you just did a thousand and some episodes. There are many people who can't get past episode three. And uh, it's the want to stay at it. And I think there's a great stat out there that the top, what is it, top two or 3% of all podcasts um, have more than 21 episodes. So 21, if you get past that, then you are in like the top tier of podcasting, which is really wild. Most people just can't stay at it. Very and the good. top 5% are also shows that get uh, more than 100 listens too. So that's out of the 3.4 million shows out there, um, you know, 95% of them are getting 100 listens or less. Wow. Incredible, man. The book is called Command Your Brand, Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence in a New Media Landscape. The best way to get a hold of you is your X account, right? You are um, crushing on there, I believe, every time I look. So is that the best way? 
So they can either can either go to commandyourbrand.com and and you know uh, connect with us there, or they can connect with me uh, on X. I am at Jeremy Ryan Slate, and I'm actually the same on all platforms. But um, X is actually the one that I'm on way too much, and my wife often takes my phone away from me. I am on it so much. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your your company. If someone were to call you, reach out to you, and want to work with you, what's it look like? So we have two different ways people work with us. Um, number one is we are a full podcast production company um, where we're going to get you set up in the right way, get your podcast produced. And then we're also going to optimize it for YouTube and get it posted on Rumble, um, meaning we're going to help you get more traffic by setting up in the right way for people to see it. Um, the other side of what we do and what we've done since 2016 is we help you to become a great guest, get booked on the right podcast, and then also understand what to do with a lot of that content. And uh, that's what we do at Command Your Brand. Awesome. Guys, I uh, vouch for him. He's a great dude. He's connected to some of the great entrepreneurs that I'm friends with. And uh, it's been an honor to talk with you, man. And uh, thank you so much for trusting in us to uh, help you with this book. Command Your Brand, pick it up today on Amazon or through his website. Remember, guys, a million-dollar book will lead to a million-dollar life. Right on.